カハンニャハラミタシンギョウ Thank you for joining the Zen Care Podcast. These recorded Dharma talks are given freely to our community in the heart of New York City, which we are honored to now share with you. New York Zen Center for Contemplative Care is dedicated to transforming the nature of care through contemplative practice by meeting illness, aging, and death with compassion and wisdom. Learn about us at zencare.org. So, good morning. Should we try that again? Good morning. Good morning. Excellent. You're all here. Are you all really here? You look like you are. Yeah, you look like you're fully present. For five minutes at least, and then you can. Then you can go off. So we're on the sixth full day of our session, preparing for tomorrow's celebration this afternoon and this evening.、Uh, don't, be, don't prepare to leave. Tomorrow's our last day here, but stay here. Don't be packing your bags until later. So natural for us to think, oh, I'm going home tomorrow, I've got to get this done, and start making lists of all the things we have to do when we get back to the city or wherever it is that you've come from. Try not to do that. You'll just spoil the last five days that you've been sitting here. It'll all go a waste of time and money and energy. Just stay for as long as you can. We're on day 70 of our Commit to Sit. For those of you who are joining us for our Commit to Sit, our Ango period. And、uh, the text we're reading is Ayama Roshi's Zen Seeds. And、um, it's pretty amazing at the, I don't know, the synchronicity, the weirdness, the, the whole. On Friday, I spoke about, you know, the, the theme for this week for Ayama Roshi's text seems to be about mothers. And on Friday, I spoke about、um, Mughla Dayana's、uh, mother in the Howl Realms, and then my own mother in her Howl Realm, and a grandmother and a great grandmother. And then today, as if like to get a slap in the face, it's all about this beautifully kind mother and her son who's loving and the whole thing. I'm like, Jesus Christ, this was. Did Maya plant this? Because Maya is the one that like, gives me my page. And I, say, I always say, you know, can, what's, on, you know what's on my day of my talk? What am I reading? So it's like, are you kidding me? What do I know from this beautiful ode to his mother? <laughs> so,、um, yeah, today's passage is.、Uh, Actually,、uh, it was a talk given by a, a haiku poet, Sumito Oyama,、uh, who, from 1899 till 
And it's a beautiful, beautiful ode to his dying mother. And the irony of these particular, these two particular passages coming together in my week here is not lost on me. And the passage is, is titled, A Mother's Daily Conduct. But first, I'd like to read a poem. It's one of my favorite poems. You may think, well, that's a weird favorite poem to have. But um, it's gritty and harsh. But if you listen carefully, it's also about the love for a mother. It speaks to the conflict that Tony Hoagland, the poet, had with her, and perhaps the resolution that they came to, or that he came to. Um, the poem is Lucky, and it's um, on my desk upstairs. It's still on the desk. Maybe Doshin could run up there for me. Would that be okay? Um, talk amongst yourselves for a moment. <laughs> this is some week I'm having. And I put <laughs> and I put this cotton robe on thinking it was going to be cooler. And I'm sitting here like I'm in a sauna. And um, so I'll read the first piece of um, this talk by Sumita Oyama. This morning, I had a dream about my mother. In the dream, she said, your right shoulder is sticking out from under the covers. My white-haired mother, over 80 years old, moved around my bed, patting down the quilt. When I think of her following me in a dream all the way here, taking care of me so that I, can't, so that I won't catch cold, I am deeply moved. When I think of her following me in a dream all the way here, taking care of me so that I won't catch a cold, I am deeply moved. When he's talking about all the way here, it's talking about her, where he, was, where he grew up and where he was actually living now. So where she, the mother came all the way here to where he was living now in his, in his dream. He goes on to say, I have always been proud of my mother the housewife in a large farming family. She had no formal education. She told me that from the day she knew I was in her womb until the day I was born, she, was, she went every day to a little temple dedicated to Kanan, the Bodhisattva of mercy, just outside the village. It seemed appropriate then that I should have been born on Kanan's festive day. My mother's love did not start at my birth, but from the time she knew she was carrying me. He tells us how every day, while pregnant, his mother went to the, to the temple dedicated to Canaan. It was worth waiting for, trust me. Thank you. 
So this is post my talk on Friday about my particular family and craziness and ancestors and also about a different love of a mother, how it manifested. As I said, it might be harsh for some people, but really listen to the words. If you are lucky in this life, you will get to help your enemy the way I got to help my mother when she was weakened past the point of saying no. Into the big enamel tub, half filled with water, which I had made just right, I lowered the childish skeleton she had become. Her eyelids fluttered as I soaped and rinsed her belly and her chest, the sorry ruin of her flanks and the frayed gray cloud between her legs. Some nights, sitting by her bed, book open in my lap, while I listened to the air move thickly in and out of her dark lungs, my mind filled up with praise as lush as music. Amazed at the symmetry and luck that would offer me the chance to pay my heavy debt of punishment and love, with love and punishment. And once I held her dripping wet in the, uncom in the uncomfortable air between the wheelchair and the tub, until she begged me like a child to stop. An act of cruelty which we both understood was the ancient irresistible rejoicing of power over weakness. If you are lucky in this life, you will get to raise the spoon of pristine, frosty ice cream to the trusting creature mouth of your old enemy. Because the taste buds at least are not broken, because there is a bond between you, and sweet is sweet in any language. A far cry from Sumita Omaya Oyama's relationship with his mother. But I just think there's something very beautiful in this poem, too, of Tony Hoagland's poem. As I said, it's very harsh, seems very cruel, and yet there he is, feeding his mother with ice cream. And they both know what's going on after the years of whatever the conflict was in their relationship. They both understood. And he was there for her. She wasn't left alone, dying. He was there for her while she was dying. So I think it speaks a lot to love. It just looks very different. So back to uh, Sumito Oyama. So he tells us how every day while pregnant, she went, his mother, to a little temple dedicated to Kanan. So Kanan, or in Chinese, Guanyin, literally means watchful listening. Kanan, watchful listening. And is often translated to one who sees and hears all. So this is the task of Kanan to witness and to listen to the prayers and cries of those in difficulty in the earthly realm. And to help them achieve salvation. Another Japanese name for Kanon is Kanzeon. It's the name we chant in the morning service. Kanzeon namu butsuyo butsu enbupo. It's the same kanan. Kanzeon namu butsuyo, at one with Buddha. 
we have in the center on our altar a statue of Kanan, Kanzayan. Also, Avalokiteshvara, that's the, uh, the origin of the Indian name, Avalokiteshvara. When we moved, came to China, we became, became Kuan Yin, and then to Japan became Kanan. So when we chant the Heart Sutra, Avalokiteshvara Bodhisattva, doing deep prajnaparamita, we're chanting to Avalokiteshvara, to Kanan, to Kanzayon, in Tibetan, if I remember rightly, Tibetans are always, always difficult, uh, difficult names. Senrig, sent to Senrig, I think, in Tibetan. Um, and interestingly, though, we mostly see Avalokiteshvara as female. Uh, nearly all the images that we see, and on the altar and in iconography, uh, in the, originally uh, he was. They were seen as male or gender fluid. So even back then we had gender fluid, gender neutral bodhisattvas. So here we are on the eve of our Shuso Hosen ceremony. A very auspicious moment, not only for Joshin, but for the center, New York Zen Center, and its Sangha and the extended Sangha. Joshin as our first Shuso, which simply means senior student. It's also auspicious that our, our first Shuso is a woman. She's not the only female Shuso, but she's our first female Shuso. And to have a female Shuso in a tradition that's traditionally patriarchal, very patriarchal, most Buddhist schools tend to be very patriarchal. We're in the Zen school, and yes, we fall into that realm. But it's changing, particularly here in the West. There are more and more women teachers in the, in the tradition in Zen. And those of you who joined us for Commit to Sit this, year, this time around for this Anga will notice that we had eight women teachers sharing their expression of the Dharma with us. So 16 teachers in all split 50-50. Eight women, eight men. Beautiful, 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 beautiful growth happening. Uh, and amazing teachers, American and Japanese. The Japanese are teachers, male and female, are kind of like, what's going on in America? You know, they've got this commit to sit thing happening, and they've got women teachers, and they're inviting Japanese teachers, and it's on Zoom, which in Japan was a big no-no in, 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 the, Zen, in the Zen world. No, no, you couldn't have... Uh, the, the teachings on Zoom. But it's changing. The, the temples are seeing the, uh, the benefit of it, of reaching out to a larger community. So our own beloved Diane is one of those teachers. 
on the commit to sit. One of those eight. Actually, she's not the oldest. Ayoma Roshi, who's not speaking, but her text is, uh, I think, a year older than you. She's 94 already. <laughs> You're 93, right? No, Ayoma Roshi's 94, so she's your senior. So tomorrow, Jiyoshin will be sharing her expression of the Dharma with her first Dharma talk. And she's probably a little nervous, right? Just a little, just a tad. <laughs> so Shuso is uh, a formal position in, in the Zazen, in the Zen training community that dates back to the 12th century China. All the way back to the 12th century. Monastic tradition. Many of those uh, monastic rules still apply today as far as the role of Shuso is concerned in the monastery. In the lay tradition, it's different, but it's where it originated. Imagine 12th century, 21st century, is that 900 years ago, something like that? Something like that, a lot, a long time ago. And Shuso is a formal position in the training community, and um, the term shuso simply translates to chief seat, the chief seat in the zendo or the meditation hall. And shuso usually, shusho, shusho usually holds the position for three months, for one angle period. And Joshin has been tethered to the position for a year and a quarter. She probably, I think she's earned the title of the longest reigning shoe so ever. It's kind of like, was Queen Victoria, now I think it's Queen Elizabeth. She's surpassed her mother. You know, it's like, poor Prince Charles is never going to get to that throne. This is kind of a deviation. I have no idea how that came up. It had to do with long reigns. <laughs> the heat, I tell you. <laughs> so, Joshin, the longest serving Shuso ever. <laughs> and with COVID putting the kibosh on everything, it's like in these in-person retreats that we used to have, um, The opportunity that we now have to hold this important ceremony in person, it's amazing. You've been very patient, Shuso. Or a few times when she's like, how long is this going to go on for? When is this going to be over? (laughs) It's not an easy position to fill. She's done an amazing job keeping things on track coordinating and being with the Zen Center staff and Sangha to pivot our sessions from in-person to hybrid, ensuring that all of our 14 Zazen offerings each week are held and supported by our amazing Sangha. The support of our Sangha has made these sittings possible. We now have a Zendo and a Zoom Do, and what we call the One Do, 
thanks to Mayar and Kanchen. Joshin, along with Ryushin and others, manage the midday sits online. She has co-created a practice committee with Shishin and a monthly council practice with Dayan Sensei and Yoshin. Open heart, maybe. True heart. What's it called? Loving heart. This beautiful monthly practice, council practice. Starting up again in September. Sign up. Uh, let's see, inviting our friends from Zen Peacemaker Order. Joshim Burns, Sensei. And Joshim Burns, uh, Shinzan knows very well, and Koshin, and Shuso. Now in Vermont, in his own center, sweet bread. Bread loaf. It's in Vermont. Google Zen Vermont. But Joshin, a wonderful, wonderful teacher and activist in the tradition, and uh, yeah. The Shuso takes on various practical responsibilities in order to make the Zendo and the Zen Center a peaceful place of practice for everyone that arrives. Everyone enters the door. From troubleshooting, regulating the Zendo temperature, <laughs> the temperature of the students, I would say, making the weekly announcements, You might say Shuso worries about stuff others in the Zendo don't have to. All the stuff behind what's going on. The little complaints and, you know, kvetching and Shuso's the one that gets them. She's the gatekeeper for the kvetches. But mostly what she does is completely show up. Using the gender she, because right now that's what we have. We have a she shoe so. We could be she shoe so. But we could, you know, it could be a she he. It's all the same. It's not the same, sorry. You know what I'm trying to say. Uh, serving in any position that she's being asked of. And it's beautiful to watch how. She integrates her practice with the Sangha and with her family. And sometimes that's really tough. Those of you who have family and are practicing and would like to practice more, or go, well, you know, long, what, full day sits in session, to wrangle that with your family members can sometimes be very difficult. Uh, she recently shared the joy of her first grandchild, Luna, Ashuso grandmother. Congratulations, Mazel Tov. Zen Roshi Domo Burke said, one of the strongest characteristics of the role of Shuso is its innate awkwardness. 
one is always both junior and senior. This is a given to the path, to those on the path as Shuso. This fact is confronted deeply. The faces of the junior and senior are constantly being switched, sometimes both worn at the same time. I love that phrase, innate awkwardness. It's not about doing it perfectly, it's not about getting it right. It's about sometimes just being awkward and like, God, I don't know what I'm doing here, or I did that incorrectly, or did I do that correctly? It doesn't uh, apply to our shoes, though, right? You've never felt awkward, right? <laughs> In Dogen's instructions to the cook, he talks about three minds. Magnanimous mind, or big mind. It means being unprejudiced and refusing to take sides. In other words, magnanimous mind is not swayed by biases or preferences. Cooks with magnanimous mind work with the ingredients they have, not the ones they wish they had. What's there is always enough. Joyful mind is the mind of gratitude for what is. The cook sees the opportunity to feed and serve others, not simply as a job, but as an opportunity. This is the role of Shuso. It's not a job. It's an opportunity to serve others. With all the ingredients of our life, of their life. Not picking and choosing, and that's not, I can't use that ingredient, but bringing all the ingredients of our life. Serving. It's what a cook does. With that view, the cook finds a joy that is not conditional. It arises from the vow to benefit others and doesn't depend on things going right or fade away when things go wrong. Parental mind. Literally, old mind. I like to use the term grandmotherly mind which is now very appropriate. Grandmotherly mind takes care with whatever and whomever one encounters, not distinguishing between self and others. Takes care of whatever and whomever one encounters, not distinguishing between self and other. I often say to my students, you know, when they're complaining about their children, their spouses, their fellow Sangha members, yada, 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 kvetch, kvetch, kvetch. Can you see them? Try seeing them through grandmotherly eyes. Try seeing them through grandmotherly eyes. Grandchildren can't do anything wrong. Your own children, the ones that you bore, that bore the grandchild, they're always wrong. Right? But their kids, oh, they're just being kids. They're just playing around. They'll be fine. Don't worry. Come on, honey. And then there's your daughter or son like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Did I get that when I was a kid? Look what she's doing. And it's mom, Lee, stop, don't do that. You're spoiling them. It's my job. It's my job. Grandmotherly mind, grandmotherly eyes. 
So on this day, we begin to prepare for tomorrow's celebration of Ashuso. We will have tea this afternoon, and she will be presented with the case. Anything else that I'm forgetting? Just the case, right? At 6.30. At 6.30. I think there's been a change to the schedule. I'm getting over here, in case you can't see him. 6.30, So at 6.30 this evening, we'll begin our formal tea, Hansaku Gyocha. So it's going to be a beautiful, beautiful next 24 hours, something like that, 24, 30 hours. And then we can think about moving out back to the city. And this is a celebration for each of you, not just for our shoes, so to take on that which is being shown here. Joshing. Trusting mind. Trusting mind. That it will all be okay. With your innate awkwardness. No one is asking you to do it perfectly. Maybe your teacher. I'm not. And sometimes he's my teacher, but right. Slip and slide here. You're not, you're not expected to do it perfectly. You're expected to do it in your, sh in your Joshin way. Your way. I did it in my way. You did it in your way. You did it in your way. We all do it in our way. Shinzan did it in his way. The way that's appropriate for us and appropriate to the form and to the Sangha to hold each person in the Sangha, in your celebration, to hold them. Can you do that? Can you do that? You will try. Will you really? Will you really? It's your full intention. Is it really? So I usually end my final talk of the session with a teaching by my favorite teacher, you know who that is, most of you, Zen Master Raven, collection of stories by Robert Aiken. But I'd like to end differently today. So I'm going to ask you all to close your eyes for three minutes and listen to a song not sung by the original artist, but the words are very close to someone's heart. And Dan, if he's on cue, is going to bring us home.
probably saying, you know what? Uh-uh. Ain't nobody gonna cover my songs. Even Renee Fleming. So I'll just uh, give you a little backstory. Very sneakily last night in our meeting with the Shishas and the Shuso. I was like, so Koshin gave a talk last night about uh, cassettes and CDs and what have you. So I'm wondering, what everyone's favorite song is. And was it on 8-track, like mine, cassette, CD, Sony Walkman, iTunes, Pandora? What was your favorite song and where was it? Oh, on vinyl. And where was it um, recorded? Well, so we went around the room and Joshin said, My Life by John Lennon. Oh, what did I say first, though? Oh, I couldn't, I couldn't play that. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. <laughs> <laughs> But maybe Freddie Mercury would have enjoyed it. Um, so anyway, uh, that's how we got to uh, My Life by Renee Fleming. Because actually the Beatles track, it sounded like kind of mono hokey, wasn't kind of like good quality. So anyway, that's all by the by. So Joshin Shuso, here we are on the eve of your very auspicious day. Um, what more to be said? Take a breath. Look at all your beautiful faces. All your session glows. All right, so uh, I'm getting the signal from Koshin to wrap it up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How about some vows, he said. Okay, let's go with some vows, Sam.